We focus so much on quarterback battles every offseason, but it's competition at other positions that could take a team from good to great. It is Friday, March 24th. This is the College Football Daily. I am Lance Glenn. Position battles are happening throughout the country this spring, and while the notable QB competitions take center stage, other positions may play just as big a role in a team's success during the 2023 season. 24-7 Sports National College football writer Chris Hummer put out an article yesterday discussing the biggest non-QB competitions over the next few months. You can find the full article over at 247sports.com. And he joins me now to discuss a few of the biggest ones. So Chris, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on and joining me. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Lance. I appreciate it, man. So Chris, let's start in the Big Ten. And one of the biggest position battles in the Big Ten is at Ohio State and specifically with the offensive line. They're losing their tackles in Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. They're losing their center in Luke Whippler. So key positions on the offensive line they have to replace. Of course, they're also having a quarterback competition as well between Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. On the offensive front, who are some names you have your eyes on? What are you looking forward to with this offensive line competition? And do you have any favorites early on in spring? Well, at first I would say, like, I know most of the attention in Columbus is going to be on that quarterback battle that is sexy, like Devin Brown versus Kyle McCord is going to consume the entire spring practice run for Ohio State. I expect that job to go to Kyle McCord first of all, but like, none of that matters. Like, let's be frank, this is Ryan Day's offense. Ryan Day's quarterbacks have put up a ton of yards. Whoever wins that quarterback competition will have the best set of receivers in college football. They have one of the best sets of running backs. Like they will be fine. What matters is if what has been a very good offensive line can continue to be a very good offensive line. And you could argue that Ohio State is losing three of the top 15 linemen in college football. Luke Whippler was an excellent center. Um, Ohio State's had great center play. And they lose two of the best offensive tackles in the country. So this is this is what really matters for the Ohio State offense. If you're talking about names to keep an eye on, Josh Fryer is going to earn one of those tackle spots, most likely. Um, he started in place of Dewan Jones last year when he missed a game due to injury. He's the only experienced option on the depth chart. Um, he's taken more than 300 snaps in his career, which is something you can't say about any of the other tackle competitors, except for Victor Cutler, a ULM transfer who's likely going to work inside anyway. So you really need Josh Fryer to take one of those positions and run with it. The other tackle position is pretty wide open. There's a trio of players fighting for it. You got former four stars like George Fitzpatrick, Integra, Tashabola. I apologize for butchering your name. Um, Tegra, I'm competing for that spot. You've also got Zen Malachowski. That's going to sort itself out this spring. At center, I think it's going to be an even more intriguing competition. Victor Cutler could end up starting at center. He was a two-year starter at ULM. You have Carson Hisman's at, at, at Carson, I'm sorry, again, and Jacob James all fighting for a spot. So a lot of competitors. Um, it's still really early on in spring practice for Ohio State, so it's hard to say somebody's like really standing out. But if that group is not better by the end of spring, they might have to dip back in the portal and hope somebody shows up. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of guys battling for three positions and a lot of tough names to uh, to pronounce as well. But we're gonna yeah, move. Sorry. From- sorry about that, man. I'm like the uh, <laughs> I'm Bill Simmons out here with my pronunciation. And hey, and have, aren't we all? Let's be real. Aren't we all at times? Don't get me wrong. Uh, but let's move now to the SEC. And it was a really down year, I think, last year for Alabama at the wide receiver position. Something we're obviously not used to seeing with the success that they've had at that position over the most recent years. Jacory Brooks, Jermaine Burton, they will both be back, but they don't really have a clear number one. 
I think, I guess you could say it's one of them too, but they really need to step up to really claim that title. But behind them, what else does Alabama have? Because again, it was a down year last year, and you'd think that Alabama's receivers this year are going to take the step up and kind of get back to what we're expecting from the group of Crimson Tide pass catchers. In the last couple of years, like Alabama could rely on its quarterback to elevate the games of its wide receivers. And in some cases, like with Tua and the quartet of receivers he had and Mac Jones and the duo of receivers he had, like you had two really special talents elevating each other but now Alabama needs these wide receivers to elevate the young quarterback whoever that ends up being and I think it's two different position battles here in a way as you said Alabama doesn't have a true number one and it has to really hope to Corey Brooks a former five-star recruit steps into that role as a junior I think he has the highest ceiling in the room I think you saw flashes of that last year you're hoping this spring he really forgive the cliche takes the bull by the horns here and elevates to being a true number one receiver that would be huge for Alabama the other battle is frankly between like five other players like Alabama is as always really deep and last year you had three true freshmen like start games and get significant snaps with the number one uh, team you had Isaiah Bond Kendrick Law Kobe Pretense all three of those guys are fighting for a starting spot um, likely in the slot next to Jermaine Burden and Corey Brooks. You have a top 50 recruit coming in and Jalen Hale, and you also have the top Juco receiver in the country, Malik Benson, coming in. And all of those guys think they're in position to get snaps. So you have to have a third receiver emerge. Ideally, you have Corey Brooks emerge. And you have to hope these guys stay put. Like, we're going to go into spring transfer window, and we're going to mention this a couple times in this podcast because that's a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of mouths that believe they should get balls. So... You have to you have to hope if you're Alabama, you can keep everybody happy. You have to hope you have the quarterback to keep these guys happy. And you really have to hope you have the receivers to make the quarterback better. So it's a it's a very interesting room. And that's something we're not used to seeing at Alabama, uh, something you mentioned at the beginning and at the end. Right. We are so used to seeing uh, the quarterback play, help elevate the receivers. And, and granted, those receivers have been you know phenomenal in their own right anyway. But, you know, you have a guy like Tua, you have a guy like Mac Jones, you have uh, Bryce Young. Now, Alabama, like Ohio State, is going through a quarterback competition of their own, really, between Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. So it's it's pretty important for those Alabama receivers to take that next step this season to help whoever that quarterback is, whether it is Milrow or Simpson. So definitely something to watch down there in Tuscaloosa. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to look at a couple other position battles to watch. Keep it locked in. You're listening to the College Football Daily. Back here on the College Football Daily, Lance Glenn, joined alongside by 24-7 Sports National College football writer Chris Hummer talking non-quarterback position battles to watch. And let's head over to the West Coast, USC. That defense needs a lot of help. And unfortunately, they're losing one of their best, if not their best, edge rushers, one of the best edge rushers in the country. And talk about a name, Chris. Tuli Tui Pulotu. I think I pronounced that pretty well. I think my uh, Samoan or Hawaiian or uh, pronunciations of hard last names has gotten better as I've worked for 24-7 sports. So Tuli Tui Pulotu, someone they need to replace. And let's be real, Alex Grinch needs a revival on defense as a whole. And replacing Tui Pulotu is going to be key. And there's a couple names to watch. And frankly, they might all need to step up for this Alex Grinch defense to take a next step and to be better in 20. 2023 than they were in 2022. Absolutely. Uh, Lance, first of all, I want to really thank you for taking the pronunciation bullet for me there. Um, I was going to have to say it and I was going to have to apologize to the guy because I don't know how to pronounce it. Let's correctly. just go by Thule. Let's just go by yeah, Thule. Let's go I think Thule. that's easier for both. 
All-American edge rusher, one of the best players in the country defensively last year. Really, without him, USC's defense would have been hot garbage instead of just garbage. So he is going to be a lot to replace this year. He had 50-plus pressures. He was one of the best players in the country, full stop. That is not the position we're really talking about. USC won't replicate his production. So what really needs to happen is they need their rush end position, which is an Alex Grinch's defense, a stand-up defensive end, somebody who plays in a lot of spots, somebody who's moved around a lot, but mostly they are there to rush the passer. That is a key position in Alex Grinch's defense, and it just wasn't that good last year. Nick Figaro and Solomon Bird split time there. Um, They were both solid but not great. USC needs that position to take a step forward. And they have a ton of options, which is great. Romello Height, some people might remember. He was an Auburn transfer. Um, he got hurt one or two games into the year for USC. He was supposed to start there at that position for USC in 2022. Then um, they had to fill that gap. He is back this spring. Um, Solomon Bird is back as well. Then you also have Jamil Muhammad, who's coming over from Georgia State. Yeah, Georgia State. Sorry, I thought I might have been Georgia Southern. He is actually a converted quarterback. Um, He began his career as an FBS player as a quarterback, but he is a tall, long, and developing edge rusher. He is somebody with a pretty high ceiling. He is a long-term bet for USC, but he could help USC in the short term as well. And then you have Corey Foreman. Lance, I know we all know Corey Foreman, um, former number two overall player in the country. And the 2020 class, I believe, hard to believe he's been out of high school for three years. Um, so much hype around him. Lance, I know on these podcasts, you spent a ton of time discussing where Corey Foreman could go. Um, he has done very little since he arrived at USC, but there's a hope he can still revitalize his career this spring. That is a really deep room, but USC needs at least one standout edge rusher to emerge from it. And in a better world, two or three impact guys emerge to help this defense. And we both know that he's all the help in the world. Yeah, it really can. And Foreman was actually 2021, but I'm not going to hold that against you. It's We're not a recruiting podcast here. You were right on the nose in the 2020s. He was 2021. And the other guys in 2021 ahead of him were JT Tuimoluau, who has very much panned out at Ohio State and, and Jack Sawyer had a big class. impact. Yeah. Uh, Jack Sawyer was a little bit behind him and not originally in front of him, but ended up becoming uh, the guy in front of him at the end of the class was Quinn Ewers when Quinn Ewers decided to reclassify into the 2021 class. So Foreman ended up, was one second, moved down to third behind JT Tuimoluau and Quinn Ewers. And it's it's going to be big for Corey Foreman, someone who came in with a lot of hype to USC, someone who, who stayed home on the West Coast as well when he could have went elsewhere. It's going to be important for him to take that next step. And I'm sure Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, and, and the USC faithful are really are hoping that he, that he does that and, and hoping that he puts in a productive season uh, in 2023. So Chris, USC's rival, one of their rivals, the last team I want to discuss, Notre Dame. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they do at the offensive skill talent as a whole, because obviously they're losing Michael Mayer, arguably the best tight end, if not one of the best tight ends in the country. Sam Hartman is in, so you know quarterback play is going to be better, but who's he going to be throwing to? Who are his weapons going to be? Not necessarily in the running game, but but in the pass catching game, both at tight end and at wide receiver. They obviously brought in Caleb Smith, the transfer, so you think he could make a big impact. But after him, what else is there for Notre Dame? Who else could Sam Hartman, Jared Parker, the new offensive coordinator, as well as Marcus Freeman rely on to help fill the void of Michael Mayer and hopefully pick up some slack at the receiver position uh, for this fighting Irish offense next season? 
Yeah, I mean, receiver has been an issue for Notre Dame for a few years now. Michael Mayer covered up a lot of that. He was like a really nice blemish cover up. Um, he was a third down machine or first down machine last year on third down situations. He made all of Notre Dame's offense look a lot better. And now without him, they don't have a single receiver or tight end or running back returning with more than 350 yards receiving last year. So it's a pretty blank slate. Sam Hartman needs top targets to succeed. Um, They brought him in to open up the offense, and they just need a receiver or two to step up. Um, It'll certainly be huge that Virginia Tech transfer Caleb Smith is coming in. He is the most experienced receiver in the room. He's going to start. Every other position is pretty open. Um, This is a situation. uh, We talked about Alabama having a trio of second-year pass catchers. Notre Dame has a trio of third-year pass catchers that they're hoping they can rely on. We saw a lot from Jaden Thomas last year. As a true, or I guess as a redshirt freshman, he had 25 catches, 361 yards. He was arguably their best receiver last year, even though he kind of disappeared at times. He's likely going to start. And then you really have to hope former top 150 players, um, Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey, um, step up and emerge as difference makers for the offense. There's also Tobias Merriweather, who was a borderline starter for Notre Dame going into the second half of the year before he got hurt. He could emerge. And then you got two freshmen like Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse who could also step into the void at receiver. So there's a lot of options there. But Notre Dame has had a lot of options for a couple of years now. It just needs one or two of those options to become at least... They don't have to be superstars, but you got to have you have to have somebody reliable for Sam Hartman to deliver the ball to. And that's what Notre Dame is hoping to find at least three rotational receivers who can be consistent targets for Sam Hartman. We could also talk about tight ends like Notre Dame's got a few options, but I think that job is likely going to go to Mitchell Evans, who started in place of Michael Mayer in the bowl game. So that's the name to watch there. Although I know they really do like Holden Stace who's a former four-star prospect um, and has a pretty big ceiling at tight end. So I think that is the most important position on Notre Dame's roster going into 2023. It's receiver. Because if you have Sam Hartman, you're going to throw the ball. You need somebody to help run that offense the way it should be. Yeah, you really do. And and when you bring in Sam Hartman again, you know, he's... Uh, an upgrade at quarterback for sure. But of course, uh, your quarterback sometimes is really only as good as the weapons around him. And Notre Dame needs some of those guys that you mentioned alongside Caleb Smith, the transfer from Virginia Tech to step up and to provide him with the weapons needed to succeed in this Jared Parker offense here in 2023. So make sure to check out the whole article over at 247sports.com and follow Chris on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate the time. Remember to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and head on over to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and click that subscribe button as well. So for Chris Hummer, I am Lance Glenn. This has been the College Football Daily.